Miracy. There is a condition that has a name in Japanese that literally means you worked yourself to death. You burned out like you absolutely used everything you had. So in those extreme cases, it can be really, really severe. But it also shows up in things like resentment of our work. Hello, I'm Melinda Cohen, and you're listening to Just Between Coaches. I run a business called The Coaches Console, and we're proud to have helped more than 70,000 coaches create profitable and thriving businesses. This is a podcast where my guests and I discuss challenging conversations that we face with our clients, but also the need to take a deeper look into difficult issues and reality checks we might face with ourselves as coaches, as well as within our businesses. Do you dread your work? Do you feel tired and stressed all the time in your coaching business? Maybe you're experiencing burnout. Have you heard your clients or your colleagues say that they feel overwhelmed, that they fear burnout? I know I've felt it. I'm one of those people that's, I have high standards and high expectations, and I want to be in my flow so that I can give from my overflow. But if we're not mindful, it can come with the price of burnout or exhaustion. I'm going to talk to someone that knows how to avoid burnout and how to be in creative flow. I've invited Michelle Falzone to have this conversation with me today. Michelle is a content strategist and the founder of the marketing consultancy, We Are Content. She's a co-host of the Content Sells podcast, and co-facilitator of the Her Business Marketing Success Mastermind. And she's the creator of the Create Without Burnout Framework. Welcome, Michelle. Melinda, I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited that you are here. Now, another thing that I want to share about Michelle is that she and I have been in a mastermind, my gosh, I think seven years Mm. now. I can't remember a time when we weren't in that mastermind together. And I know that you and I have had a lot of conversations And I've learned a lot about this topic from you over these years. So I'm so excited to have you on the show to really dive into this. Thank you. Yes, I am thrilled to be here. And I've enjoyed many of our conversations and I'm looking forward to this one. Now, before we dive in, would you mind sharing a little bit of your background with our listeners? Yeah, sure. I really, when I think about it, I can't really remember a time when I wasn't driven to create, even as a child. You know, my mum and dad would buy me dolls and all I would do there would rip their arms and legs off. I wasn't really that interested in them. That kind of paints a violent picture. I'm not violent at all, but I just was (laughs) interested in how they worked. You know, they were more like things of fascination to me than the doll that they were meant to represent. Uh, But what I was interested in was creating stories and creating worlds in the backyard with my brothers that they would all have to play along with my games. And that need to create kind of went into my whole life. And I began creating documentary films and that gave me experience in a whole lot of areas that then became very useful in advertising and creating things for television and radio and print. When the internet came along, I fell in love with the internet and was a very early adopter of things like web design and email marketing and uh, communities, creating online communities. So it's been about creating, communicating, and connecting. That's really been the through line when I look back over my life. And I've done all the things like, you know, generated lots of money for my clients. I've 
created my own six, seven, and eight-figure businesses. But the main thing has been this fascination and this joy and this satisfaction with taking complex ideas and turning them into something beautiful that connects with other people. I love it. Now, you use the word a lot, creative. We're talking about, I mean, that's kind of the center of the topic today. And I've heard you say before, you know, we're all creative beings. Can you, because I hear a lot of people, it's like, well, I'm not creative. I, I'm, I'm not an artist or whatever. Can you clarify what you mean by that? Yeah. And I'll make the distinction between being creative and being a creator as well, because I think, yeah, being creative does have this idea that I've got, must have a paint, paintbrush in my hand or be a writer or be a fashion designer or something like that. But I actually think we are each and every one of us powerful creators and we are creating every day. The minute we, our feet hit the floor, we're creating our day. We're creating our businesses. We're creating the relationships that we have. We are creating our thoughts. And so innately, we are creators. I love that more expansive idea of uh, thinking of ourselves as a creator. Now, when we look at the topic, how to create without burnout, let's look at that definition. How do you define burnout? Is it something that you get? Is it something that you become? How do you define that? It's such an interesting question, Melinda. And I, I don't profess to be the expert in you know, the science behind burnout. But I, as a person who has experienced burnout, <laughs> can give you, you know, my personal experience. And so to me, when I think about burnout, I think about a particular day and I was running a big business. I had two small children. The global financial crisis had hit. I was juggling many different things on many different levels. And I remember going upstairs into my bedroom and crawling into my walk-in wardrobe in the fetal position, just like done, like I was, I had nothing left. I was exhausted mentally and physically, and I just wanted to hide away <laughs> in my cupboard. So that's kind of like about as far out there as I, I have got. But burnout shows up in really extreme cases, you know, with ill health, with even death. You know, people, there is a condition that has a name in Japanese that literally means you worked yourself to death. You, you burned out, like you absolutely used everything you had. So in the, those extreme cases, it can be really, really severe. But it also shows up in things like resentment of our work. Little, you know, that, that they're, these are the clues that hang on a minute. It can show up in just generally just feeling like, oh, I just, I don't have any energy for this at all. I'm dragging my feet on this. And then gradually... It's like that petrol tank, that fuel tank just runs out. And as a car runs out of fuel, it starts to sputter and lose its pace and lose its ability to do the thing that it was built to do. And for me, that's what burnout starts to feel like. The joy goes out of things. The energy goes out of things. And then if that's left to continue, then it starts to get more dire and more detrimental to your life, to your feelings, to your health, to your relationships, to your experience. I really love that framing, losing the ability to do the thing that you're meant to do with joy. That, never thought about it like that. I've always thought about it from that perspective of, you know, like you said, exhausted, empty, 
And that, but I've never, it's like, wow, I've lost the ability to do what I'm good at, to do what I love doing, to do what I want to do, what I'm here to do. That's an interesting take. Now, you mentioned something. One of the clues is resentment. I find that as I kind of tiptoe close to that land of burnout, I get very cranky. Yeah. And I become, I'm very irritated and I'm no fun to be around. And my husband kind of looks at me and I'm like, mm hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's like, okay. Time out. What do we need to do? How do we, what, what needs to change here? Um, but there wasn't always that time where I could recognize it and it would just happen. And I think a lot of it, we're going to get into, you know, the create without burnout, but I want to talk about push through first. And I want to talk about normalizing burnout. I was just talking with somebody the other day and she's like, well, that's just how it is. I'm like, mm, no, this has become your normal. And we started talking about how She's normalized this state of exhaustion and learned how to live with that. Can you speak into that or what your experience or what you've seen with others about, as a culture, how we've normalized burnout? This is such a fantastic question, Melinda, and such an interesting line of thought, because I agree with you. You know, whatever your situation is, there seems to be this real need in the world today to be doing a lot of work, to be making enough money to you know, pay for healthcare and pay for this and pay for that. So the whole ecosystem is really designed to have us pushing through, as you said, to have us pushing ourselves to our max. And in many ways, just to kind of, a lot of people I think feel just to kind of keep your head above water or just to feel a little bit on an even keel. And there are so many expectations that I think we unconsciously just accept upon us And we can find ourselves living a life that is really based on the expectations of others. And those others don't necessarily have to be the people right around us. Those others can be the people on the advertisements on the television, the people we see in movies and decide are our peers, the things we're reading in the newspaper, the cultural expectations. And so that's kind of a lot to process and filter through. And what I see happening as a result of that is people saying what you're the person you were talking to said, well, that's just the way it is. Or I'm always busy or you know, I'm always tired. Oh my gosh, I've got so much to do. This is the new normal. And I want to say, I totally get it. I totally empathize with that. There are many systems and structures set up that it's very easy to feel that way in this world. There are many demands on us. And the whole normalizing exhaustion, I think has is a coping mechanism for the fact that so many of us are feeling exhausted. And so what do you do when you think, hey, this does this in my very being, if I really tune in, this don't feel right. <laughs> this ain't it. It's like, well, but everybody else is busy, everybody else is this must be okay. And that is that moment of normalization, we lose so much in that moment, I think, Melinda, because what I'd love to see us normalize more of is joy, beauty, connection fulfillment, creating our best work, making incredible experiences. They are things when you really tune in that you go, this does feel right. So how do we have more of that is what I'm interested in. It doesn't mean pretending things aren't there. It doesn't mean being Pollyanna, but at a deep level, it just means I can shift my intention. Even in this crappy situation, there's something here that I can find joy in. And that orientation to tapping into the fact that, yes, I am a powerful creator. I 
get to create, I get to choose in every moment. That is just like the little rudder on the ship, just always turning in the direction of joy and creativity and connecting to what you really want versus the little rudder that can turn us towards despair and disconnection and, you know, running the tank completely empty. Yeah, I love that mantra you just put out there. I'm a powerful creator. I get to create and choose in every moment. It doesn't mean we always know how or what the answer is or what the action is, but just setting the intention holds the space for something else to be possible instead of repeating the same patterns unconsciously. And that that's how you begin to interrupt the the unconscious or very conscious pattern of burnout. Now, when I look at some coaches, some entrepreneurs, or even if we look at our clients, right? Some, they keep creating amazing work over and over without seeming to burn out. Others will get stuck in procrastination or overwhelm or exhaustion, right? And I mean, I found myself that to be true for me, right? You talk about this idea of optimal creation. Can you share more about that concept? Yeah. So optimal creation for me is when I am not only creating a lot of what I want, I can do whatever I want in terms of the creative output, but also that output is at the level that I want it to be. It's that quality and quantity mix. You know, you are able to put things out at quantity, but it's also quality. And if we're talking about work, we're talking about if it's a coach situation, if it's about the results that you're creating and co-creating and helping to bring about for your clients, you don't feel burned out by that experience. You feel like you can just keep doing that work and it fulfills you and it energizes you and it's great work. It's your best work. And I don't know, like, you know, Melinda, I see you tap into your potential all the time in the work that you create, beautiful things you make. Doesn't it feel good? It does. It feels good, invigorating, exciting, humbling. Yeah, humbling. I love that. And you feel connected to your, whatever you want to call it, your source, your potential, your intuition, your capabilities, the things you trained for, all these things come together. And so for me, that's optimal creation. I'm always looking for that and, and, and to bring that more and more into my life. Doesn't mean it's all perfect, but I just feel that over my life, I've, this has just become more and more and more bountiful. And when I look back over my life, a few years ago, several years ago, I started to ask myself the question, well, okay, how does this optimal creation work? What's creating that? And when do I feel like I'm in burnout? What's sending me down these tracks of burnout of, you know, those early seeds of resentment or just tiredness or not feeling connected to my projects or not doing my best work? And it was like I'd reached a point in my life where I could kind of look back and connect the dots. We often can't see what's happening in the moment. But when you look back, you see, ah, I see a pattern. I see how some things happened. I remember when we were in our mastermind, I got a chance to hear you explain the framework. I'd love for you to share that with our listeners. I'd love to. It is something that came to me in pieces. And it was as a result of that question, what was I doing in my life when I was in optimal creation versus what was I doing in my life that led to burnout, led to exhaustion? What felt like I could just keep doing it forever, you know, like it was refueling me, it was sustainable, it was abundant. And what felt like, oh, this is just draining my tank. This is sending me down a road of ill health or resentment or 
disconnection. And I started to see these these situations, these conditions that were kind of at play. And I realized it was a bit of a cycle, a bit of a loop that I would go around. So do you want me to just explain the loop at a high level? Would that be a good a good way to start? Yeah. Would love to have you do that. Let's just talk about, say, a project, if we're working on a project. There is this beginning which I call saturate. And it is just giving yourself the time before you feel the need to actually make it a thing to just immerse yourself in the research, any kind of input. This is the deep dive. It is this immersing yourself in what is. So what's already out there? What's the research say? Maybe I need to do an experiment. Maybe if I'm working with a client on a project, it's taking the brief, looking at all of their other information. It's also, though, non-critical thinking, like just daydreaming and having this beginner's mind around things and just realizing that at this moment, I'm just a sponge. I don't have to put anything out. It's all about just receiving input and having this openness And it's like you're just loading all of this into RAM. You're just receiving. So that's saturate. And giving yourself space for that, you'll just naturally lead into this next step, which I call percolate. And this is often a step that gets skipped. There's a very important doingness, a very important action that often looks like no action. I call this step percolate. And just like the coffee brew that filters through and percolates, that is what all that stuff we've just loaded into RAM, all that input, actually needs to do. Our brains, our beings, our minds are incredible. It wants to serve us. It's this incredible dynamic machinery that is able to make abstract connections. It's able to, without you knowing it, even at an unconscious level, Connect this thing that you've just saturated with a situation that was that happened 10 years ago that you've completely forgotten or something you read or heard or a snippet of a conversation. And it can bring those things together in a wholly new way. And so this is how we can bring our full selves to our work, by percolating. And what is percolating? What does it look like? Well, it can show up in all kinds of ways. It could just be the pause. Okay, I'm not, I'm not in input anymore. I don't have to go and do any more searching and reading and all of those things. I'm just loading things in. I'm now pausing. I'm filtering. I'm brewing. I'm mulling. And I call this process conscious forgetting. I am, I'm very deliberate in many cases about percolating. Often when, when we're pushed for time or we've got to rush from saturate to just bringing that thing into reality, I, I get, I, I, I really resist that wherever possible, because I know that thing that I'm going to create is is skipping this important percolate step and it's missing all the juicy goodness that I can bring to the project and the thought and the ideas and the inspiration will often begin in this percolate phase. So I will often consciously forget. One thing that I love to do is to saturate before I go to bed so that I can percolate overnight. I can let the coffee brew overnight. And we, our brains are so capable of recognizing patterns of, like I said, making these abstract connections of doing a lot of work beneath the surface that we can then tap into for the next step. So 
sleeping, pausing, walking. Uh, who's had a great idea in the shower? That's percolation at work. And it's such a virtuous cycle in that regard. And then after percolate, what comes next? Well, that's when we create. So that's when mm-hmm. we get into the doing. That is when, you know, a lot of people, especially if you're a quick start, you're a fast action taker, you just want to skip those first two steps. And I have found that the create step is much richer if I've been able to have the saturate step and the percolate step ahead of time. And so in this create step, it's about honoring your creative work. It's about trusting your ideas. It's about knowing that the stuff that comes out first isn't always the best, but be prepared to go through that, have that crappy first draft. Know that it's just evolving, staying with it, trusting the process again. And there's this really important piece, I think, at the create step, which is making space for deep work. And I know for me, when I create, I need at some point to just give myself that ability to just have that time to focus. And then there's this whole process of editing what we create, evaluating what we create, and then finally abandoning what we create or abandoning this step. And there's this, you almost have to force yourself, but it does feel like an abandonment to move on to the next step in the process. And the next step in the process isn't to just go back and create something else, which I think is this world we live in, create, 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 output, output, output. It is actually to celebrate. And sometimes that looks like popping the bottle of champagne and all that sort of classic, those classic tropes that we have around what celebration looks like. Yay. Having a party all those things. But to me, the celebrate step can also just be acknowledgement, acknowledging yourself and your work, acknowledging your team, acknowledging that person in your life, whether it's a parent, a partner, a friend, a colleague who helped you during that time in any way. Like I know when I'm deep in a project, my husband will just take on a bit more of the load at home. And so I celebrate him at the end of a project. I will often show my kids the project at the end because, you know, why has mum been so busy? And often it just looks like me at a computer. They don't see this perhaps big thing that I've created. So I work, I show them. So for me, this celebrate step happens no matter what, whether I hit the goal or I didn't hit the goal. And then finally, as we round this cycle out, that just keeps living through our lives round and round. After we celebrate, there's this really key step of rejuvenate. And this is the rest and the restoration. The renewal happens here. You need to keep this cycle flowing. Otherwise, it stagnates, right? It becomes like a stagnant pond and it gets all muddy and dirty and moldy. And you want that river flowing through each of these steps. You don't want to get stuck at any of them. And I would say also another thing that might help if you're working with clients is I kind of call this the whole kind of optimal creation loop, but the burnout loop looks like this. Saturate, create. Saturate, create. Take the brief, do the work. Read the book, make the presentation. Learn the concept, do the coaching call. It's just saturate, create, saturate, create, saturate, create. And that is, I think, the loop that that we were talking about earlier, Melinda, that that we've normalized. You just got to output, output, output. So the burnout loop, and a lot of time when you see clients presenting with burnout, it's often because they feel or they are just unconsciously doing saturate create, saturate, create without these other steps. I know having this framework and this, being able to visualize it and see it 
uh, it really changed not only how I showed up as a coach and a facilitator, but it changed how I showed up as a leader with my team and in my own personal relationships, in my family as a friend. And it's been something that uh, has been, when I look back over all my life, one of the top things that I've ever learned that has impacted me in such incredible ways. So I just want to summarize. I, Michelle, I know you and I could talk all day long <laughs> about this topic, um, and I want to be mindful for our listeners. So as just a summary, you know, we first talked about an amazing distinction, Michelle, that you shared, being creative versus being a creator, and to think of ourselves as a creator. And when we think about burnout that it's about being exhausted and uh, worn down. But really, I loved your framing of this. It's losing our ability to do the thing that we're meant to do with joy and how we live in this culture of push through. Life is so full and that we normalize it and we have to be mindful of this, especially as coaches. We've got to help our clients and those around us be mindful that just because this is how it is for so many doesn't mean it has how it has to be for us. And instead, to really become conscious of normalizing joy and beauty and fulfillment and creating great experiences and having that optimal creation, living in that mode. And where we have that mantra, I am a powerful creator. I get to create and choose in every moment. I'm one of your biggest fans of this work, your framework for the optimal creation loop. And you dove into such beautiful detail about each of those steps and that it's about flow because if we're not in flow, we're stagnant and that's where burnout happens. And then to avoid that burnout loop, saturate, create, saturate, create, which is what the world has become used to. So Michelle, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners about this topic? Any parting words? To be gentle with yourself because it's a process. There's no 100% grade here. Every step you make is a good step, a step worth celebrating. Beautiful. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Just Between Coaches. And also a big thank you to Michelle for this amazing conversation about creating without burnout. You can actually find out more about her framework, get a copy of it, and download a guide at createwithoutburnout.com. That's createwithoutburnout.com. Michelle, thank you so much for coming to the show. Melinda, thank you. It's been a real pleasure and a privilege. I'm Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. Just Between Coaches is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Course Lab. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. I wrote this episode with Mishi Lance. She assembled the episode. Danny Eni is our executive producer, and post-production was by Post Office Sound. To get future great episodes that are coming up on Just Between Coaches, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Miracy. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed, and he sewed and he stitched, 
and by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud, we can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.